You're listening to the Youmentor Talk Show, where we invite an expert each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. This month, we are interviewing people of spiritual career paths in spirit of the month of Ramadan. With that said, today we're chatting with, with an Islamic female lecturer, Zakir Shairus Shafar Thala. Being an ambassador for Islam and helping share the message of Imam Hussein is what she does best to truly bring meaning and an incredibly satisfying purpose to her life. This week's sponsor is MindTech. As usual, I'm Fatima Al-Sayed, your You Mentor Talk Show host. Make sure to tune in every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to learn more about the many spiritual career paths available. And remember, any questions you have, you can just leave them in the comments section or you can send them to us. Sarah, how are you? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very excited to be here um, and have a chance to talk about something that um, is um, the most precious thing about my life. Yeah. Really so excited to do what I do. So I'm really excited to share about my experiences. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. So this is a very, um, this career takes a lot of dedication and work, hard, hard work. Um, what inspired you to first think of, you know, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? Um, it's a good question because definitely that I would um, be was not in my um, you know, Sorry, bucket think, list yeah, at all I think you cut out a bit do you mind just repeating oh <laughs> Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I was saying that um, it wasn't something that I had planned to do at mm -hmm. all. And um, basically, I was, um, I had a university degree already. I, I was doing, I had uh, done my master's in, uh, in education, and I had a bachelor's in psychology. And I never had aspired to be a, um, an Islamic lecturer. It was never something that I thought I would do in a million years. But um, I think um, truly I've, I've realized and I've lived this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly guides um, who, whomever he wants to guide. Mm -hmm. And this was his plan. And so um, I was already um, a, a, a wife and a mother. My children were uh, five and six years old. And um, I um, just found myself, um, because of all the struggles, my husband was in medical school, so I found myself really having to uh, become more spiritual and, and connect and reach out to God. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, needed, I needed something to keep me from drowning, really. And so it, it became a spiritual path that, um, that I was you know, irresistibly drawn to. I needed to seek more knowledge to understand why does Allah test us and um, you know, how, um, how unwavering my faith has to be and how can it be 
in order to succeed. So I found myself inspired by the Holy Quran. I was uh, attracted to the Nahjul Balagha. And I was truly spiritually awakened by the Sahifah Sajadiyah, which is written by the fourth Imam, Imam Zain al-Abidin al And what happened was, despite being such a busy mom with little children, um, I would spend hours and hours, uh, you know, between nursing them and between taking them to school and picking them and dropping them and doing all that stuff i was reading um i was reading you know hours and hours of reading biographies of our this is truly what really uh, made something you know really wake up inside me mm-hmm. reading about their life stories seeing the struggles that they've gone through and how they uh, st- stood steadfast in in uh, getting the message to the people i was inspired by them i wanted to I never thought I wanted to do what they were doing, but it became a natural progression. The more I read, the more I was excited and I would feel like I need to tell people about this. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it, I did find solace and I did find um, a great sorts of comfort in the Holy Quran, um, you know, pondering over the, over the Holy Quran and trying to understand what does Allah want from me? What, what is his command of me? Mm-hmm. Uh, what have the people of the past done that Allah did not like? What are the things that Allah loves in human beings? Reading all this, I would be, you know, sort of overflowing with, um, with excitement. I would be like, I wish I could tell somebody this. <laughs> And uh, and that's when it I suddenly found a, a voice, a speaking voice. Mm-hmm. See, I, I used to be a uh, Mercia and Noha Khan. I used to, in a Mankabat, uh, a Sana Khan. I used to recite, uh, you know, uh, Mankabats and Latmiya mm-hmm. and Mercia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was known for that since the age of six. I was uh, always uh, reciting in, in large gatherings. So you have I, the skill of just speaking in front of a large audience. Yeah, I guess I didn't have a fear in uh, it because I had, you know, it was so natural for me since I was a little mm. child to be in front of large gatherings. But, and I could, I could put a sentence together. So yes, I was invited to be an MC often to be the master of ceremonies of programs. But I never, uh, you know, when I would sit in the gathering in a congregation, I I used to marvel at that person who was at the pulpit and who was on the member and think, how can they talk for an hour? What, how do they have all this stuff to say? Mm-hmm. But when I found stuff that inspired me, that made me feel like I can get through these difficult times. Because my husband was a medical student. I was alone with two kids at home. I used to cry a lot. It was, uh, you know, the children would cry and I'd cry with them. I would be like, I can't handle this. <laughs> so I was really drowning. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it, I, even though I've been, you know, through graduate school, I found having babies and being a stay-at-home mom was like the hardest thing I'd done in my life. So, and and being a supportive spouse to a husband who was, you know, going through all these rotations mm-hmm. and he was, you know, staying out all night and working and etc. So I really needed this, and I thought, wow, if I could tell people that you can get through this, you know, this is this is great. And I also became, I think, my preaching began with how I would talk to my husband because he would have low moments. He would have struggles at, you know, at university and medical school. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really cutthroat competition kind of place. And uh, I would be telling him about how, you know, we are in this, in this ship and Allah is our, is our navigator and our guide mm-hmm. and our captain. And, and we're just, you know, he has a plan for us. And so being a motivational speaker for my own husband was truly the way I began. And uh, so when people, would call me to recite and um 
incidentally, I, I really credit the Ahlul Sunnah community because they used to call me a lot to recite mm-hmm. mankabats, to recite nat, uh, um, you know, munajat, uh, milads, as they're called in, in Urdu. So I would go to recite for, the, for them and I would be reciting all these beautiful praises of the Holy Prophet wasallam and, and his progeny. And I would start to speak in between those. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow I felt like I had to explain what this uh, poetry means and then I would interject it with something that I had learned from the Holy Quran or from a hadith and even though it was an Ahl Sunnah audience I was talking about Ahlul Bayt and doing it with confidence because I knew this was backed up in, uh, from different mm-hmm. books so the, the confidence I got was truly from reciting in the Sunni gatherings and even now um, especially in the month of uh, the birth of the, the birth of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I'm invited a lot in that month. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Rabbi Lawal to come and recite. Uh, so my book is full of uh, you know bookings for for Sunni gatherings, and so truly that was where I got the most confidence because I began to speak and I began to speak in Urdu, a language that I never used to speak before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a language that I'd been exposed to when I would listen to. Um, you know, Majlis Hussein, we usually listen in Urdu in our uh, communities. And um, I could hear it, understand it, but never could speak it. Is it important but, to have several languages? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, first of all, different languages have a different flavor to them. Like mm-hmm. Urdu is such a poetic language. Like, much like how we say French is such a romantic language. Mm-hmm. There are some languages that you can talk really dry stuff um, and, and really, you know, very complicated concepts so so sometimes when i speak in english i really enjoy being able to really talk about you know the intricacies especially because english i feel is my first language so i can Mm -hmm. really i think i talk in english i I, everything is english for me however uh when urdu is a different language where it's the um especially reciting the musiba the the difficulties of uh Mm -hmm. that imam hussein has uh, the tragedy that befell the Ahlul Bayt that you can really um, emote in, in that language. And, and then huh, my parents spoke Gujarati at home um, between each other. My parents, my mm-hmm. mother and father just spoke Gujarati to each other. And they spoke in Kachi, and a, a dialect uh, uh, with us. But hearing the Gujarati language um, became something that helped me later on in life because I got invited to speak in, in a Gujarati community. And I said to them, I don't speak this language. And they were like, but you're talking to us in Gujarati right now. And I said, well, that's just getting by to speak and to preach. Mm-hmm. We don't, no way. And they were like, no, 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 you're good. You're good. We want you. And <laughs> subhanAllah, I spoke in Gujarati in Reunion Island and then to in Madagascar, which had a crowd of a thousand women, mashallah. And uh, also in, in Paris, these are mm-hmm. the three Gujarati communities. And I realized how important it is to know languages. If there is anything I would love to tell people who have young children and and those who are young enough to pick up languages fast Uh, expose your children and expose yourself to as many languages as possible uh, because you want to when you're doing tabligh when you want to get the language the uh, the information out you want to be able to speak in any language whatever language it takes to connect to your audience and when i was in paris i actually did a puppet show um something i do also um to you know connect with the children Mm -hmm. i did a puppet show in french and (laughs) i've 
I've taken French all my life, French? of course. Not really. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, growing up in Canada, of course, you have to take French. You pick it up a bit. Uh, yeah, but it's hardly a language you can get by, and especially no. in France, when they were, that's a different French in France, mm-hmm. to, totally. However, and they, you know, they were smirking and, and giggling at my pronunciation because uh, it was a Canadian uh, French, and, mm-hmm. and then, of course, there was an Indian accent uh, <laughs> to that French. So I was really making them laugh. But it was a puppet show, so I got by because you're supposed to be able to laugh. Uh, yeah. the puppets anyway but uh, so it really helps to speak different lang- languages mm-hmm. absolutely but what I would, uh, would really um, say is that you know my, my spiritual journey began I realized uh, something amazing that anyone when they have um, something that they want uh, to share with the world with others anyone can do what I uh, what I have done in the sense that if I a person who grew up in the west um, mm-hmm. completely I mean I was 12 when we came to Canada we've been here like over 37 years and um, so uh, if, if a person like me who never really went to um, I, I didn't go to the Islamic seminaries I did not go mm-hmm. to the Hausa and yet I could do a lot on um, you know as, as a um, with self-study that yeah. any, that this this can be done and, and remember mm-hmm. in our in our faith, anyone can be uh, a preacher in the sense that anyone can share this message. Uh, you don't need to be really, um, you know, gone through a professional experience or, or you don't have to be, a, you know, we don't have a priesthood, a priesthood, mm-hmm. for example. So a lot of female reciters, especially, are, um, you know, those who have just, you know, been able to study from home and um, I, I found very few in my experience who have actually been through the Hausa who are actually preaching. It's it's a rarity, especially in the Indo-Pakistani community. How do you so, study from home correctly? Like, how do you know, you know, if I'm if you're doing it right? <laughs> well, uh, first of all. Uh, going to Majlis Hussain is the best way to learn, and uh, and often you'll hear people, you know, the preachers say that uh, this is the university of the Ahlul Bayt and Majlis Hussain is where you learn, and Subhanallah. Everything that I learn when I'm looking through the books, I'm like, I've heard this in the majlis when mm-hmm. I was a little girl. I've heard this, uh, you know, and, and you realize how our preachers really simplify stuff for us. And, you know, they've read a lot of books to be able to say something in one sentence that was a whole book's theme. Truly, we are so blessed to have preachers who do that for us. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you do it? First of all, you need to be exposed to majlis. My mom was an avid majlis goer, okay? And uh, since I was a little girl, uh, you know, I had to sit still through hours and hours of majlis. She would go majlis hopping. She would go from one majlis to another. And, um, and, and so I sort of, through osmosis, I think I really picked up a lot of the style of the, you know, the Urdu reciters, the, the way mm-hmm. they sort of, you know, sort of a little bit of a melodrama that they do in order to, you know, you know and actually that's really the way to keep your audience really, um, you know, captivated when you're, yeah. when, when you're modulating your voice, you're going mm-hmm. up and down. Well, some of them yell a bit too much, but you know what I mean? That, you know, <laughs> you sort of, you know, can whisper a little, you can show awe in your face, you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say something that makes the crowd, you know, just erupt into wah, 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 as they do in Urdu. Mm-hmm. They, get, they go like, you know, wow, subhanAllah, that's awesome. And you realize that that's how you keep people awake. And you need to work on their emotions so that they can, you can whet their appetite enough so that they can hear the dry stuff and the history that you're going to speak about. So I picked mm-hmm. up a lot of that um, as a child. 
And then, uh, because even though I'd grown up in the West, uh, I was still very used to listening to Urdu Majalis. So I could, I, I was a very Canadian child. I mean, I was a teenager here in, in, the, in the West and I did not wear hijab till the age of 22. I was a, a you know, true Canadian and, 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 and am in every sense of the way. You know, I, I, I mean, I was in, I knew everything, the local culture, the, the music, the everything, the sports. I was really a Canadian through and through. But then when my life changed and I got into the spiritual awakening, I was always mm-hmm. a, a good Muslim for sure. But there was something that had to really happen that took me to another level. When, when that happened, that I was ready. Mm-hmm. The turning point uh, was when I was pregnant with my third child, um, and it, um, she's 13 now. But just before I got pregnant with her, I was really, really immersed in reading because my my kids were older, like they were mm-hmm. 11 and 12, I believe. So what what happened was that they were in school all day, so I could read much more. And uh, when I was reading, I was really overcome with, um, you know, this was a spiritual experience for me. I wasn't reading to be able to speak about Islam. I was reading for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was very overcome with uh, emotion and uh, felt very repentant um, and realized you know, I've come this far and I've come not far at all. I am so behind. And I went into Sajda and I cried a lot. I remember that day vividly. I was crying a lot. Probably cried for a couple of hours. I was sobbing and saying to Allah to forgive me and uh, to make me a better person and to make me worthy of his, you know, beautiful Jannah that I'm reading about and, and to just make him like me. You know, I wanted Allah to not hate me anymore. And so I was going through all this. And then I said to Allah, Rabbi Zidni Ilman, just give me knowledge. I want to know mm-hmm. more. I want to know more. And I kept saying this repeatedly. I just kept saying, Rabbi Zidni Ilman. And I kept sobbing and saying, Allah, I want to know. And I said, no, I can't read all this. Can you literally, and I said this word, I said, Allah, can you download everything into my brain? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was a magical way where you could just put everything into my head so I don't even have to read this stuff? And seriously, whether anyone would want to believe this or not, I truly find I know a lot of things that I don't know where they come from. And and often when I'm looking for a hadith or, or a Quranic ayat to help me, I open the Quran or I open the books uh, and those things just come right at me, even if I'm going through Facebook or through Twitter, I see things that I need for that day mm-hmm. uh, or for, to be reciting in a couple of days. And I'm like, wow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly is helping me right now. He is downloading this stuff into my brain. <laughs> and after I said Rabbi Zidni Ilman a lot, that, that turning point, that moment, that's when I got this feeling of saying a lot. I want to tell everybody how great you are. Mm-hmm. I want to tell everyone about how to get to you. Uh, and to experience this euphoria that I'm experiencing. It was strange that I was crying, but I was euphoric. I was flying. This is like when you're, you know, doing Dua Komail or, you know, something uh, like uh, Dua uh, Hamza Thamali. Or, you know, when you recite mm-hmm. some of these Duas, they really take you to another plane sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and those are magical moments. When it happens, you're crying and you're, you're, you're happy. How does this happen? <laughs> uh, and so this is what I was feeling. And I said to Allah, I want to tell everyone about you. That was the first time I ever felt the longing to go out there and speak about him. And that's when it happened. It just, I felt like my heart was bursting and I felt like something incredible was going to happen to me. Um, I felt like I was about to take off and I did. I started to fly. Is that where you get your strength from when you go up on the Mambar all the time? Absolutely. Um, The work that uh, we preachers do 
um, it definitely puts us in a line of fire because a lot of people are sitting there going, seriously, you're telling us to do all this? Do you do it? So there's always the fear of being blamed for hypocrisy. But mm. there's also the fear within that, am I practicing what I'm preaching? So those things are um, difficult as it is. And then to go up in front of people and then to know your stuff when you know people know a lot more than you do. Um, I'm always plagued with this thought that there are so many people who deserve this member than, more than I do. And uh, to get up those few steps to sit on that member, um, truly, it's like you're, I feel this. My, my legs become heavy like lead. I feel like, how do I get up there? Not the fear of the people, nothing, but more how do I get on this very pure place? Because, you know, when you're, since you're young, you, um, you're a lot of, and I see a lot of mothers do this. They take their children to the member and they make them touch and pray there. Uh, the member of Rasul is a very special place. It's a throne. I look at some of the pictures I have and I look at and how the members I've sat on and I'm realizing, subhanAllah, I sit on a throne. This is the, the, the place that the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and all the Imams used to sit to preach, to tell people about God. And I get to sit on it, a mere mortal, a sinner, a person who has, you know, not spent their entire life um, completely, you know, spiritual and religious. I have been through so many things that, you know, I wore hijab at 22. But then I realized Allah wants sincere people. Allah wants people um, who uh, brought themselves to, to, to that place of sajda. Um, who truly want to be there, who've worn that chadar is Zainab um, and, mm -hmm. and, and really want it. That's why they you know, rush for their scarves when somebody knocks at the door. That's why they're so careful nobody takes their picture. That kind of sincerity, Allah says, you, I would like you to be my ambassador. Tell people what brought you to this faith. And I realized that um, because I was such a regular kid here, that um, my story does resonate with a lot of people because they feel like, wow, if you could come this far, then I can too because I'm a regular person too. People can connect to that. So Allah wants those kinds of ambassadors. But yes, it is very difficult to do this and uh, to feel strong enough spiritually to be able to preach. You need to really believe in yourself too that Allah wants me to do this. And that's why, you know, um, and I've written about these experiences and I've spoken at length uh, on, on TV and radio about this. Um, mm -hmm. There are many interviews about myself out there, uh, but there is one particular one in Facebook. It's in my notes section. It's called Azakira's Journey of the League, my personal experiences of being mm -hmm. an Islamic preacher. And it's, it's quite a long story where I talk about all these things that are, you know, the struggles I've faced and, um, you know, how it's also become the most beautiful, um, amazing, wonderful thing in my life. I mean, um, I, I, mar I marvel at, uh, you know, how this very precious, this role of um, doing tablik, the changes it has brought in me in such a short time. I'm amazed at this, you know, strong pull, this calling, it compels me to you know, willingly give my time, my energy, my money, every ounce of my being in this path. You know, the joy of being able to share my love of God with others, it energizes me. This is where I get my strength. The joy of being able to talk about God, it mm -hmm. makes me feel so alive. It's, it's truly a drug. I mean, it's given my life so much meaning and action and purpose. And it's infused everything I do with like mention of God, I, I cannot tell you. It's truly, if you knew, when you've really tasted something really awesome and you want to tell everyone like you've got to eat this or you've got to visit this city, you've got to go to this amazing, you know, you've got to see this volcano. Um, I 
feel like saying to people, you've got to taste the elixir that I have tasted by, you know, mm-hmm. just getting a little bit close to God, just a tiny drop. Imagine how close our imams uh, were to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how they felt when they were telling people about it or, or all the prophets, especially the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa telling people, uh, you know, you, you need to come here and see what I'm seeing and feel mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. So um, that's what gives me strength. And um, I was, I did have this experience of seeing um, Imam Raza alayhi salam. And uh, I've spoken about this on national TV um, when, uh, when I was given the award by Ahlul Bayt TV. Uh, it was a live TV program. Uh, it was broadcast all over the world. And, um, and there was a huge crowd. There were about 500 people there. It was a gala event. And there were all these uh, Maulanas and, uh, you know, all, they were all sitting there in their turbans. And it, it was a huge event. Mm-hmm. And it was also the day I was being given this award for my speaking. Um, I was the award of excellence. And I came up there and I said, this is actually a gift from Imam Raza alayhi salam because I, um, at, at that point when I had that turning point, uh, this is what happened that, you know, in this, I got the award also, it was the eighth Imam's birthday uh, and that that uh, yeah. the, that week. And I said, this is no coincidence yeah. because it was Imam Raza alayhi salam who I, I saw with my own eyes. It was not a dream. I saw him and uh, he said to me, Tell them about us in good times and in difficult times. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that has given me the energy to do what I do. That has given me the impetus to go forward. Even when I feel like I can't do this, who am I to do this? Oh, I'm too tired to do this. Oh, the people don't want me. Oh, I don't want to do this. All sorts of excuses that plague me, the self-doubt, the the you know the feeling of being judged, etc., etc. So all of that, whenever it clouds me, all I can think of is Imam saying to me, tell them about us. And I realize this is not just to me, it's to all of us. Mm-hmm. You have something precious, you've got to share it. And I'm so happy, uh, Sister Fatima, that you're um, doing this interview and, and you, you Moja and you mentor are doing all this. Um, the spiritual thing is so important. We talk about it to tell people that there are all sorts of careers you can have. But uh, every one of us has to have this career. We have to be ambassadors of our mm-hmm. faith, uh, whether we like it or not. We must and we should and we, and we have to. Um, this is a gift given to us and we need to bring everyone out of the hellfire. If anyone is sinking, we have to bring them out. This is the only way we can um, have salvation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Holy Quran, with those people who take people, who encourage people, who mm-hmm. enjoin others to stay on the haq and to, to do sabr, to stay on the straight path, um, to have faith and to do good deeds. Every one of us has to do that. Otherwise, we're all at a loss. How does how does someone follow this uh, career path? How does someone, you know, say, this is what I want to do and this is where I want to continue? What skills do they need? Well, there absolutely, uh, it is very important. If you can do it, then you must go to the Hausa. Um, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, the path I've taken is a more difficult one, and definitely, there are uh, you know huge gaps in my in my knowledge that uh, I'm always trying to fill. And every day is a learning experience. But if you are young enough in life right now, or you have a moment in your life where you can take some time out of this life and go to the to the to the Jamia to Zahra if you're a lady, mm-hmm. but there is Jamia. And there's so many houses in Qom and there's also in Najaf and there were in, in Sham as well which had to close down because of the war but um, there, you know and there are, there are ways to um, 
to um, get your visa and to get the people. And if anyone's ever interested, please do contact me. I can put you in touch with people who can help you get your um, paperwork together. And of course, there are summer courses. Um, Nasimco, which is the North American Shia is, uh, is, uh, Islamic um, uh, communities around the world. Nasimco has summer courses uh, in Iran. Uh, the World Federation uh, has these courses. Uh, they're called Bab al-Ilm and um, mm-hmm. the other one is for the older kids. So, And they have them for married couples as well where you can send, spend a summer in, in Iran and, and really immerse yourself in, in some knowledge. And uh, mm-hmm. then there's, uh, you know, there's so many institutes as well. And I went uh, with uh, the Risala Institute uh, that is uh, by uh, Sheikh Aha. Uh, Shomali, who has a Hausa in London as well, the Hausa Ilmiya. Uh, so you can also go in London, England, which is an English Hausa, Subhanallah. And this course that I took uh, for the summer with Aga Shomali was uh, in Incom, and mm-hmm. but it was held in English. And we were people from all over the world. There were sp- students from Australia, and we were from all the walks of life. There were young people there. There were married people. There were much older people, retired people. Um, and I even took my daughter with me, and she was doing um, some hips while we were. She was only, I think, nine or ten years old when mm-hmm. I took her along, Shireen. And uh, she was doing hips while I was doing these courses. And then we actually stayed at the Jamiat al-Zahra. Subhanallah, what an experience. Because wow. what we did was, you know, we lived like the simple ways that the students lived there where you only get this tiny little uh, cupboard um, and, 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 and a bed, that's it. And uh, so you learn to live uh, in a very minimalistic uh, mm-hmm. kind of way. And then you, you know, the, the at night you hear Surah Waqya through the sound system throughout the throughout the Hawza and being awakened by the, the Adhan and, and being able to go to the Haram at night to do uh, your you know Salatul Layl and to mm-hmm. do your Amals and it is an experience of a lifetime and eating together and then you know I, there were times when I cooked for the um, for the entire group uh, <laughs> in the Hawza kitchen and learning to speak in Farsi and it was just so much fun and and, um, and incidentally I had sent my daughter Zainab uh, with the Babel Ilm course through World Federation and she I think it was the same summer she was there with the with the youth and she had an awesome time she spent three weeks at the Jamia to Zahra as well and um, she came back completely uh, you know changed in the sense that she was mm-hmm. in love with the, the simple life and she was like mom you know this what are we what are we doing like she changed her her mm-hmm. thought had completely changed and she's she's doing a social work degree and um, so for her uh, it really brought everything back to the basics so if you have a chance in life even if you don't want to be a preacher please do take these courses I've learned one thing when you're older your life just gets more busier okay Mm -hmm. your life just gets more complicated right now you know there's so many opportunities I have to be able to go to Hamza for a few years and I was all excited and my dad my husband said to me "Uh, excuse me surely you forget you're a married woman you're gonna leave me for three (laughs) years I was like oh my god I forgot I have all these commitments and see I was going to go to the Hamza when I was 22 and I wore hijab I had signed up and I was getting my paperwork together for my visa and um, my dad was not quite happy with me going and uh, 
he thought that, you know, I was taking myself away from the world at a time when I should have been thinking about marriage, etc. As mm-hmm. most parents worry about their kids. But then my dad um, ended up having a heart attack and he was in Dubai when it happened. And uh, so he sent a message to my mother saying to me that, please don't go. I need you to help me here. So I went to Dubai to be with my father. That yeah. was my, uh, that was my jihad. I had to give up what was waiting for me. Like it was, you know, my thing I was going to do. It became something that forever remained in my heart that I couldn't do this. But look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave of, yeah, me. Yeah, it was sort instead. of the drive for you to go back into it later on. Yeah, and to do it myself. It became a self-study, mm-hmm. uh, an independent thing. And then Allah gave me the chance to preach anyway. Subhanallah, Allah is so great. Especially I've learned that when you serve your parents mm-hmm. and you do something to make them happy, um, Allah will give you much more than you were even planning to do. You know? In terms of self-studying, um, mm-hmm. are there any books that you can recommend that people can read um, or places to, or websites to visit? Yes, surely. Now, you've got to understand, you know, you have to ask yourself, what am I reading for? Don't mm-hmm. read in order to, uh, you know, show off or to, you know, show people, okay, I know this, I know this, or or to, uh, it's not one man, one man up ship, what is it, up man ship, or it, it's not um, also to even to go out there to preach, I want to show what I know. It's none of that. First, you got to learn and study because you want to open your mind. You want to, you know, broaden your horizons. You want to be spiritually, spiritually uplifted. You got to read the tafsirs. You got to read the commentaries. And of course, always be sure to be reading from the Shia sources. So you, uh, when you're looking at uh, a Quran, it has to be the Quran that, uh, you know, you're looking at Puya, um, Agapoya, you're looking at Mir Ahmad Ali, you're looking at Shakir, or um, you're looking at, um, for example, um, Yusuf Ali mm-hmm. and uh, Pickett Hall. These are the translations and the commentaries that you should be looking at. As well, um, I found myself really, um, uh, you know, changed when I read about the imams. And so uh, there are uh, a series of books uh, which are about each imam. Um, there are the life of, you know, every imam, uh, the other biographies by Alama mm-hmm. Bakr, Bakr Sharif al-Karashi. And um, these books uh, will give you everything you need to know about that imam, their hadith, their writings. And then those become, you look at the footnotes, you look through the refer- reference section to take you to the next level, to take you to read more about something also to read about the prophets the stories of their pro- the prophets in the holy quran and um you know hayat al-qulub by um alama majlisi um there are about i think three three or four um volumes of those and they're also about imams so and then i of course reading um balaga that is uh, you know the, a must you got to be able to read that and uh, also um because you learn so much, so much about God, about spirituality, mm-hmm. about history, about uh, the letters Imam wrote. It's, it's, and then there's the Sayfa Alawiya um, that Imam Ali Al Islam uh, has written. Duas like Dua Komel, beautiful duas. And um, of course, Sayfa Sajadia was a, truly a book that changed my life at the age of 20. I read it at age 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite late in my life but now it's some a book that stays on my bedside table it, it's a book that you just can open only a page or or read just a line and that's all you need and it'll suddenly give you the strength to make it through the day and read through the co- table of contents and just you know read a dua that really gets you that those duas are not to ask for something those duas are to 
change the way you think about God. Because mm-hmm. remember, uh, the fourth Imam wrote this at a time when uh, it was really difficult to preach. It was after Karbala. And, uh, you know, his life was still a danger, very much so. So he preached by writing dua. And dua is not just asking for something. Dua is to just change the way you think about how God gives, how he tests, and what your place should be uh, in front of God. And also, um, I mean, the, the list, list of books, of course, can go on and on, but I, you know, it's very important uh, to, uh, to, to, for anyone, whether you're going to be a preacher or not, to, to expand your repertoire. House of Sorrows by um, um, Ashok Kumi. Uh, you know, truly an amazing book about Bibi Fatima to Zahra, Salamullah Aleha, and about what she went through, about her life, and 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 you you know you get the Sunni and Shia sources telling you about what exactly happened to her, and then um, Sifat Shia, the qualities of the Shia, Fadail Shia by um, Sheikh Sudduk. I found that book has really inspired me. And anecdotes for reflection. There's about four copy, uh, four um, volumes of this book by World Federation, which has stories on different. Uh, virtues and vices and then you've got you know imams hadith about them or stories from the quran that reflect those particular things so really truly a book that has inspired those books inspire me a lot the kaim and the quran um that's um Truly, I think it's Sayyid Bahrani. Um, truly, an amazing book about how the the the, the Mahdi Ajalullah Taala Farajaham Sharif is mentioned in the ayat of the Holy Quran. They're hidden, the you know the tafsil of the Quran. Mm-hmm. Those hidden layers that we don't. A book I really found uh, was very easy to read and also told me everything I needed to know to start my research was uh, a rest- it's called the Restatement of the History of Islam and Muslims by Sayyid Ali Asghar Radwi. And he's also written the book, Khalijat al-Kubra. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's very easy to read. So you got to choose books that are not very dry, not have very mm-hmm. big words, and are not too technical. Read books yeah. that, that you know you can read in bed, and you can read on the plane. And it's like, it's easy to read. Uh, another book, Glad Tidings of um, Mustafa for the Shia of Murtaza, but, uh, which is really, you know, talks about the virtues of Imam Ali Salam. Also, uh, I found uh, some books that have really changed my life. Um, Provisions for the Journey um, by Aga Yazdi, then The Hereafter Ma'ad by um, Ayatollah Dastareb Shirazi. Everything that is written by Aga Dastareb Shirazi is so easy to read and so inspiring. There's a book called Greater Sins. It's a mm-hmm. bright, bright red book, the English translation. And uh, it has all the um, Gunai Kabira. Uh, and uh, I think there's about 32 or 35, if I'm not mistaken. And each one of them explains in detail with hadith and Quranic ayat and stories about why those are great sins. And it just just changes everything about you. Manazil al that's a book by Sheikh Kumi about the afterlife. Kalbi Salim by Aga Dastareb Shirazi. These books are all, uh, one book I really love, Kitab al Ma'am, the book of the believer about why we're tested. Nafas al Mahmoom, to read about the tragedy of Karbala by Sheikh Kumi. Or, of course, the Maktal, to be able to know, oh, of course, also Kamil Ziyarat by Sheikh Kumi. These books are really mind-blowing it's the aza by um, um again aza dastareb shirazi truly truly um lovely books so th- these are you know a way to start and then read the reference and i and i must say going to university has really you know helped me because I, I did a master's in uh, education so i uh, 
learned how to research because I did a thesis, etc. I've done you know two theses so far, and I'm inshallah going to hopefully start my PhD soon. So um, when you do research, you learn how to um, make sure that you know you are first of all um, seeing both sides of any issue. Mm-hmm. You are uh, documenting everything you say. You're referencing it. It's not your opinion, and uh, you are also using uh, credible sources. Uh, you learn how to research how to document, you learn all these things and it's so, so important as well as how to carry a thought, how to write a, an essay because a majlis is actually an essay that you are, you are saying out loud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you sit through a majlis where it's here and there and it's a hodgepodge, uh, your mind can't take it. Yes, there's all these wonderful things this person is saying, but there is no thread that goes through that you can, that mm-hmm. keeps you, you know, uh, captivated and also th- that you have come out with a, a change in what you were thinking or, or it has substantiated what you thought was true, right? It's an, it's, it's um, um, it's an argument. A majlis is an argument. You're proving something. And you know, whenever I prepare for Muharram, and I've been, uh, 14 years, Alhamdulillah, I have done uh, internationally uh, every majlis in Muharram, uh, and of course also um, Ashraf Zainabia and other uh, throughout the year, people call me internationally. But for 14 years, I've been traveling to mm-hmm. recite majlis outside the country, and uh, my husband will always say to me, "You're doing your PhD right now." Because because it's preparing 12 majlis minimum. And then people call you for other majlis as well. So at, there are sometimes I recite 24 or 30 or 50 majlis wow. uh, when I go for just two weeks. Because, and then I'm also doing radio programs in the daytime or a, a TV program. So it's like just talking, 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 talking. And he'll say to me, you're doing your PhD right here. And mm-hmm. it's so true because I have a stack of notes. Uh, in the past, I used to take papers. And then now, and now finally I've moved on to an iPad, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do take my, my, my notes with me because I want to be sure I'm quoting properly. I'm reciting the Holy Quran properly. I don't want to make mistakes. Um, it's a huge, huge responsibility when you're up there. So sometimes when you see somebody with an iPad or with notes with them, you, you know, often people look at it cynically going, Oh, she doesn't recite or he doesn't recite by heart. Well, you know, when sometimes that happens, sometimes mistakes can happen. So you mm-hmm. have to be very careful. When, especially when you have people in the audience who are taking notes and who want to go home and learn more. I love to see people taking notes in majlis. Mm-hmm. And I often tell women, and I sometimes push it, and I say, you know, I need to see you with paper and pen or, or even typing on your phone. Writing down your thoughts. You know, write down. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is not a performance where you just listen and you go and it's all gone. You have yeah. to write down. You have to, even if you're never going to refer to it again. When mm-hmm. you write something down, it becomes cemented in your brain. It truly mm-hmm. does. Sister Shares, thank you so much. Um, we have come over the end of our show, but it was so lovely speaking with you. Um, is there a final thought that you want to leave our listeners with today? Um, absolutely. I would say that, first of all, reach out to God and love him and find place for him in your life. Um, you need God. You cannot make it through this world without God and the Ahlul Bayt uh, don't, t- don't let anyone tell you don't need your imams. Uh, and, and so uh, for any young person who's listening out there uh, who wants to maybe become a, a preacher, um, definitely, first of all, begin your own spiritual journey. But if you're not, and if you're just, just a person who's just listening, 
don't leave God out of your life. You make you make room for recreation. You make room for school and and work and and uh, you know learning and all that stuff, and and relationships and friendships. But you don't make time with God. Just doing the five prayers is not enough. Do more for your spiritual growth. And the other mm-hmm. thing is that um, if you are uh, interested in speaking about Islam, then start speaking. Don't wait. Don't say, when I'm good enough, I will speak. When I have learned enough, I will speak. No. As soon as you learn something, uh, sit a few people down. Um, I, I've talked to some preachers who started just talking to their friends. They would just mm-hmm. say, you know, I learned something the other day. I read this amazing thing. And their, his friends would be like, wow, that's awesome. And then they, he'd be like, okay, you know, you got to tell more of us about this. So if you're a good uh, storyteller, if you're, a, have a, if, you're, if you're a person who can talk, you know, easily, mm-hmm. uh, you can do this. Um, and, and then um, to the people who have an opportunity to keep a majlis at home, invite young people to speak, give them an opportunity, even if it's for five, 10 minutes to mm-hmm. go out there to research. And you even have to, even if you have to bribe them, say, I'll pay you, uh, you know, I'll give you 50 <laughs> bucks if you can write a you know, much list. And you tell your 12 year old that when you do this at our house, I know I'll give you this, whatever you want, whatever gets them to start going up there to get rid of their um, fear of crowds mm-hmm. and to find something that you're very passionate about. And you find something that really you feel like I can't wait to tell people about this, you, you've got it. You can go up there and talk about this thing. <laughs> and uh, so do focus a little bit also on public speaking. Um, it's no good to be, you know, so well-versed in your faith and to have spent years learning about it, but you have no way to impart your wisdom to the others. It's like being a math professor to be an Einstein, and yet you can't explain your theory to anybody. You can't mm-hmm. simplify it for anyone. You can't, you know, you, you know, we often see those teachers, you say, they know their stuff, but they, they're unable to teach it to us. Very hard, you know? yeah. So um, the, the, the advice I would give is, please start speaking. Please start writing. Um, if you've got the skill to write, write about Islam sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do give to your faith, give to your community, Given any way possible, and I know Omoja is a is a sports team, a sports uh, festival. But we all come together to play sports. It's awesome when that happens. Um, but um, don't just do sports and don't take time to pray during the day. Don't just do all these amazing things for your body and for your for your mind, but then you don't do anything for your soul. So, uh, you know, do find time, even when you're doing a sports festival or whatever it is, to spend some time to be preached to and to go home. Uh, that You know, it's a holistic experience. Your whole body has experienced in your mind and your soul. Everything has gotten an awakening. And in, in, in the end, uh, I want to also give um, an encouragement to anyone who is trying to do this. Uh, you know that you can if a person like me who you know who had so many children mm-hmm. uh, mashallah three three kids alhamdulillah uh, and who was and still being a mother being yeah. a wife being a, you know someone who self-studied and started late in life yes. and, if yeah. i can do it you can do it and it is truly a satisfying experience definitely there are challenges definitely it is not easy uh, to do this uh, definitely i would not say it's for everyone i would it's not easy at all however if you've got some talent please 
try it. Give it a try. You'll see that the amazing things that do happen. I mean, I've had the experience of being able to speak outside the White House twice mm-hmm. to speak about Imam Ali alayhi salam at, for one of my speeches. And the other one was about Janatul Baki. And that speech has like gone viral. It has been, you know, seen so yeah. many times. So, you know, amazing things can happen if you put your mind to it and you take that first step, a journey of, a, you know, a thousand miles or whatever. Uh, how many is it? A million miles? <laughs> Begins with one step. Take that step and you can do it and amazing things can happen and God is with you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you that inspiration to, uh, to spread his faith. When you do that, you will find yourself blessed in so many ways and your whole life will become uh, a life of jihad, of giving back and being touched by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything that you do. Thank you so much, Sharas. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Fatima. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was our pleasure listening to you today. Um, Before we come to the final end of our show, uh, we just wanted to let you know that Emoja Care is hosting a -a fast-a-thon where if every day that you fast, recite Quran, or attend mosque, you can make an impact on those in need. It's simple to participate. You just go to the Emoja website, um, slash care, slash fast-a-thon, for further information. also, all proceeds from your efforts will go to Nisa Homes, who provides long-term shelters to immigrants, refugees, and Muslim women that are homeless. You were just listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. Thank you for joining us today on Facebook Live.